You ever revisit things or places from your youth, only to discover they don't quite pack the same punch? I went by my old preschool a number of years ago and I was shocked by how small the play yard looked. In my mind, it was this enormous oasis of Rugrat-esque possibility and limitless biomes to explore. It was actually just an average-sized backyard with a few things for kids to play with. Bummer. A few years ago, I came across all the old episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And I settled in to watch one that haunted my nightmares for years. Now, I still found it to be a compelling story for kids, but the 90s synth music and goofy dialogue eh, it didn't exactly terrorize. It's so strange how distance from things can alter our perception. Even if something proves to be not quite what we remember, that doesn't dampen the power of the memory. Welcome to My Dad, I'm Dad, a podcast for those who have loved and lost and seek to make sense of those experiences. My name is Doug. It's been a year now since Maxine arrived in my life and Dad departed. Countless changes to my life and the world have occurred since then. And for Maxine, the current reason for the season is rediscovery. She's delighted by pictures she can now clearly identify and recognize in books we've been reading since before her eyes could even make sense of complex imagery. Turns out there are dogs in almost every one of these books. She points at them, makes a sound, ah, and I say dog and bark. It's almost like she's saying, What's this? What's this? There's doggies everywhere. What's this? This cartoon baby has hair. I can't believe my eyes. It's like we're seeing Take It All and Max What's in the Air. What's this? It's kind of like watching The Sixth Sense for a second time and picking up on all the hints of the twist. I revel in the way that Max embraces a fresh perspective in her surroundings. A year of sharing my life with her has provided me many joys. But I think the greatest of all of them is a daily opportunity to see something common become extraordinary. The really remarkable thing about children is that they begin to teach us things about our everyday world, despite our solid belief that it's our job to teach them every single thing. Every day, she begs me to see things the way she does, to see how important her viewpoint is. What an unexpected delight that has turned out to be. I admit, I get caught up in cycles of enjoying the, uh, quote, comfort foods of my youthful media consumption. I still blast Blink-182 in the summer because it reminds me of spending time with my friends. As Weezer so eloquently put it, in the garage, I feel safe. No one laughs about my ways. In the garage where I belong, no one hears me sing my song. There's a perpetual safety and warmth in enjoying things from your formative years. Doubly so when they're frozen in time. The only constant may be change, but it's pretty rad to have some tunes you know every word to blasting in the background when chaos comes a-knockin'. A year ago, I was in a vehicle driving back to Grand Rapids from my parents' house. Now, I'd made that same drive a time or two before, but that one was different. At home, my two-day-old daughter and my wife were awaiting my return. But I'd just left my mother, my brother, my sister, and more family at my childhood home. A home my dad would never return to. 
Never before in my life had I felt so ripped apart. I desperately wanted to be in both places. But I was alone, in a car on a freeway, and I couldn't stop crying. I felt guilt, pain, and a crushing sadness all wrapped in this burrito of new life and, and uh, perpetual hope. I had to do something to calm myself and make it home safe. I had a family of my own now. I pulled off the road, opened my phone, and began playing John Williams' film scores. I let the music calm me. I was comforted by it. I knew it, and it brought memories frozen in time right to the front of my mind. And if I squinted, I could see Dad in his customary seat on the couch with an odd expression on his face as E.T., Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, Star Wars, or any of the other films John lent his particular brand of wizardry to made our family believe in magic. It wasn't long before I was looking to the side of the road and finding even the most mundane field flawless and incredible. The same things I'd seen a million times looked brand new. Dad always asked us to look out the windows while we were driving, so I did, and I meant it. Every deer, every lone tree became important because I was looking through Dad's eyes with Dad's appreciation and I felt closer to him for it. I spoke to Dad through much of that drive, and as the sun began to set, I didn't feel quite so alone. The themes from my favorite movies were playing, and I could feel Dad in the passenger seat, watching it with me, saying something like, Damn, Doug, just look at it! And I wonder now how experiences changed for Dad when us kids came along. He took us to all of his favorite places from his youth, his fishing haunts, his childhood home, his oceans, and all the places that shaped him into the man he became. I can't recall him ever saying we weren't enjoying it right, or remarking that our presence made any of those places feel different for him. I'm positive it did. How the hell could it not? But again, I'm looking with different eyes these days. I'm a dad now. I can't know for sure. But I bet when we were someplace he loved or had a history, he did what I do with my daughter. I bet he watched our faces and saw those places in a new way, the way we saw them, and it's likely he fell in love with them all over again. As I continued that drive home a year ago, I really locked into a John Williams piece that I couldn't quite place, but it thrummed in my heart. It's titled, You Are the Pan and it's from Hook. In the film, that piece gives heft to a scene where Peter accepts who he is, what is important to him, and what he must do to be with his family. Fitting for that moment, huh? Over this past year, as often as I could, I watched a movie that reminded me of Dad. Happily, there are lots. But as I watched, I noticed they felt different. Not bad, just different. I watched them from the eyes of a son without a father. I watched them as a father with a young daughter. And I watched them from my own childhood eyes. I tell you what, a goofy movie sure hits different when you become a parent. There's a lot more to that movie than just power line and a leaning tower of cheese. Uh, 
but I put off watching Hook as long as I could. That whole movie is one long case study in being a child forever, craving adulthood, then marrying those two ideals as a result of becoming a parent. I knew tears would flow free when that flick rolled. And they did. But Hook is incredible, regardless of what Spielberg or some critics have to say on the matter. And watching Hook inspired me to revisit other Robin Williams movies from the past. Jumanji, Miss Doubtfire, they're all there. And they're as comfortable as ever. It wasn't until recently that I gave Dead Poet Society another watch. And I gotta say, I found it to be perhaps the most profound viewing from new eyes. If you've never seen it, you should. The film revolves around a teacher inspiring a class of private school children to become passionate about their lives via poetry. Unfortunately, one of those students commits suicide, and the teacher, played by Williams, is blamed for the death. As he is being removed from the school, his students, in a moment much memed, stand on top of their desks and proclaim a line from the first poem he shared with the class. O Captain, my Captain. The act of defiance is only meant to offer consolation and validation to a man racked with guilt and pain. A man who wonders if his actions in any way contributed to a senseless loss. As the teacher exits the classroom, he simply says, Thank you, boys. And that ever-expressive Robin Williams face effortlessly conveys a willingness to heal as a result of the gesture bestowed by those still grieving. Whew. Watching that movie now, through all those lenses I possess, I empathize with every central character. I feel the passion expressed by the young man as they learn to really live and their pain when they lose their friend. I feel the responsibility of the teacher as he breaks the mold for young minds, and his guilt when one takes his own life. I see so clearly the desire to walk back the hands of time and change whatever may have contributed to such a tragedy. But of course, he couldn't. We can't. I can't. I wish so much. I imagine so much about what I could change. But there is an immutable truth, a comforting one. No one fiercely loved has ever actually departed. They remain firmly lodged in that place between our hearts and minds, where the impact they've had on our lives acts as a divining rod to hope in difficult times. Looking back with new eyes, that drive home offered Dad a chance to pass the torch. It was my time to be Dad. I was the pant now. I didn't want to accept that I had to do this without him. That it was up to me to remember those lessons and forge a new life. But Dad couldn't physically be with us anymore. And I owed him a send-off. I recall thanking him and asking him to drop in on the family if he could. But I don't remember exactly what I said. The gist of it, though, was... Oh, Captain, my Captain. I see now the power contained in a single life, a single kind word, a single act of affirmation. Many of you listening have influenced my life directly. Those of you listening who don't know me 
I bet my bottom dollar you've influenced countless lives yourself, and that's worthy of appreciation. So here's me, standing on top of my desk and saying what I wish I could have said to my dad before he left. Oh, Captain. My Captain. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of My Dad. I'm Dad. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe and come along for more episodes weekly. I keep reminiscing, reflecting, and blending the past into the future. I'd love if you came along. You can reach out and contact me at mdidpodcast at gmail.com or on Facebook or Instagram at mdidpod. Thank you as always to Andy Bird for the use of the music in the show. Here's this week's Wally Wisdom. Dad had this funny habit. When he said thank you, he looked you right in the hairy eyeball. And he wouldn't look away. He was waiting to hear your welcome. Or feel it from you. I think he'd spent a lot of time saying those words out of obligation in his life. And he liked to know that people genuinely understood his appreciation when he meant it. So when I say thank you and I'll see you next time... I mean it like that.